On this week's Jeep Talk Show, we hear about FCA threatening to build a new crossover. An Australian man has gone viral with his Lemon Jeep song. And on Wrangler Talk, I talk about my research for choosing a lip kit for my JKU. Tammy talks about a contest to win a Jeep sticker. We play your voicemails and answer some tech questions about suspension and tire clearance. Anton stops by and talks about his CJ build. In our latest tech segment, we talk about lift and tire size options on the JKUs. I have a little show and tell, and in Radio Comtech, John talks about APRS. It's all coming up on the Jeep Talk Show. You're listening to a 4x4, 4x4 Radio Network Podcast. Are you ready? It's the Jeep Talk Show. With Tammy on Wrangler. Tony and Josh on Cherokee. So sit back. Strap in. And I'm braced. First week in G. Well, hey guys, before we get into this week in Jeep news, I'd like to go ahead and take a moment to thank all of our veterans out there, out there and wish you guys a happy belated Veterans Day and thank each and every one of you for your guys' service. We very much appreciate it. So I guess Jeep is going to be making a car now. Well, okay, it's not exactly a car per se, but if it walks like a duck, smells like a duck, and looks like a duck, well, you, you get the idea. In any case, FCA is calling it a crossover. But if you ask me, it looks more like a retarded version of a Nissan Murano, but with a bad haircut. A spy <laughs> photo shows that they that the new Jeep crossover loses some of the squared off chunkiness of the Renegade, which is the only reason FCA is even considering this venture. The success of the Jeep Renegade has increased sales expectations of a larger crossover to replace the Patriot and the Compass lines when it debuts in 2016. Now, this wasn't really fully announced, but it was released in a very hush-hush, back-page type of story sort of thing when uh, Jeep released its five-year plan last year. Now, the name badge hasn't, or the name hasn't been announced yet, but media speculation has Compass as a strong possibility. Because God forbid Jeep uses a fresh name badge on another abortion from the Drano guzzling <laughs> Vaseline eyed crotch jockeys in their design department. I'm not bitter. Jeep says the vehicle called CSUV internally will be shown before next summer. And oh boy, let me tell you just how excited I am for this new offering from the same people that brought us the new Cherokee. Gee golly, I just can't wait. I'm literally just breathless with anticipation to see what I'm sure will be a marvel of automotive engineering. But I digress. This will likely happen in late March as the uh, new at the New York Auto Show. The vehicle is expected to improve the brand's weak showing in the fast-growing compact crossover segment around the world. The Renegade has revealed a global appetite for a smaller Jeep. The Melfi plant in southern Italy, where the Renegade is made, had produced 149,000 in the 13 months through September. Production of the cute Ute is also start. It has also started in Brazil this year. Dante Zilli, Jeep's head of marketing in Europe, said this in a recent news release. The expectation for CSUV is now very big. Renegade is comfortably above all its targets. He said the vehicle styling will reflect the fact that the compact crossover market is more conservative than a Renegade, Renegade segment below it, which is a very polite way of saying soccer moms are going to lose their damn minds over this thing. Jeep hasn't said where they're going to be building this thing or what platform will be used, but one possibility that spectators are throwing around is a stretched version of the so-called uh, small-wide architecture used by the Renegade Fiat, uh, Renegade and Fiat 500X. 
Now, this guy may not have a Billboard Top 10 hit, but his song definitely has gotten a lot of people's attention. His name is Tag, and he lives in Australia, and in October 2013, he bought a new Jeep Grand Cherokee for a whopping 60 grand, and that's in Australian dollars. That's a little over about 42K in US dollars. Now, we don't know what happened after the sale, whether it was hard driving, neglect, abuse, or plain simply just a bad apple. In any case, Tag is claiming it was a big mistake buying the Jeep as it has been a lemon from the very day that he got it. Now, it's had numerous issues and has been towed a number of times. He says it's gotten so bad that he no longer trusts it to transport his family safely. So, what did he do? Well, he did what any Australian would do. He recorded a song out of frustration, and he made a music video about the whole ordeal. Now, since the dealer in Fiat Chrysler, Australia, have basically told him to bugger off. Now, I'm not, he says, I'm not the only person who has experienced major issues with Fiat Chrysler, Australia, he says. In fact, the Australian Competition and Consumer Commission, or the ACCC, has had so many people complain to them that they took action in September of this year and announced sanctions against Fiat Chrysler Australia. One guy took his frustrations to a whole nother level. Things got so bad that he even tore his, at the time, new Jeep Liberty KK completely apart using excavators. And then he set it on fire. (laughs) And then he buried it in frustration of the way he was treated by the dealer and Fiat Chrysler Australia. He also set up a Facebook page to help keep keep the pressure on the government to introduce stricter laws to hold companies like this responsible for the supply of safe and reliable vehicles in Australia. Now, he's even set up a website where you guys can see the Jeep Liberty destruction for yourself, but I'm going to warn you guys, it is graphic if you do love Jeeps. This is basically two mid-sized excavators with multiple implements Tearing that poor Jeep apart like a couple of vultures going after a piece of roadkill. I'm not over-exaggerating either. I personally found it a little bit disturbing. Now, we've reached out to Tag and asked him for an interview. Hopefully, he's going to get back to us and we'll have him on the show and I'll get him to answer a few questions. Hey, big thanks to all of you guys who continue to help us out each and every week by submitting stories to This Week in Jeep. If you guys have a response to any one of our stories or you have something you think we should be reporting on, send us an email to info at jeeptalkshow.com. So I was uh, perusing Facebook today and I saw that video that you're talking about where they use the, uh, the two excavators to uh, uh, destroy that, uh, that Jeep. Now, they were calling it a Grand Cherokee. Um, well, okay, now let me... Let me uh, let me just make a little bit of clarification here. Now, the gentleman who who has started this whole thing, Tag, uh, this Australian guy, mm-hmm. now he bought this Grand Cherokee. Now, what you see in the video is another gentleman who joined this guy's cause. He said, uh, I had a similar problem with Jeep. Mine wasn't a Grand Cherokee. It was a Liberty. Right. And, and my, my dealings with FCA, or Fiat Chrysler Australia, and the dealership that he got his car from got to be so bad he said, screw it, I'm just going to tear this thing apart and burn it and then bury it <laughs> and post it on YouTube. <laughs> well, So there, there is several people that are behind this guy's cause, and one of them uh, owns an excavation company, I'm guessing, and oh, decided yeah. to tear his Jeep apart. I'm wondering if there was an insurance claim on that. <laughs> I, I was just thinking, you know, I, I, I'm hoping it was paid for. But anyway, the, the funny thing was it was posted uh, by, uh, Cantab, uh, xjtalk.com member, uh, uh has the, yeah, had, I would imagine that's probably national news down there. Had the XJ and then he, uh, uh, sold that and got a TJ with a V8 in it and has been beating the hell out of that thing. So, uh, his, he basically w- was reposting the, the, uh, the YouTube, uh, showing the destruction mm-hmm. of this, uh, Liberty. 
saying yeah, I never saw the video. I'll have to go look. I for just it. saw it today. I was I actually was going to suggest it to Josh, uh, and just didn't get a time to chance to do it. Well, uh, I don't know about that particular video, but this guy's music video has almost one million views already. <laughs> now that is obviously a huge internet buzz. This thing has definitely gone viral. So that's why yeah, I, I saw get him that video. On, yeah. Yeah. So I anyway, get the, him on the, the show and ask him a few questions. I know you guys probably have a bunch of questions for him too. Oh, yeah. Hey, if you guys, if we do actually manage to get him on the show for an interview, um, why don't you guys go ahead and send in a few questions. If you have some questions that you'd like to ask this guy, well, by all means, go ahead and send in those questions to info at jeeptalkshow.com. So when Cantab posted that up on Facebook, he says, I've been tagged on this video 20 times. <laughs> <laughs> That's because I get everybody it. here in the Leave States who knows of him says, hey, check this out. He's, I think the, the most recent thing he did was he, uh, I, don't, I don't know how he did it, but all the harness got ripped out of his TJ. I think it got wrapped around something of the engine, and, and he literally is having to replace the entire harness in the engine bay of that TJ. So it was a, it was a very fitting thing. It's, it's, and it's always good to have Jeep friends because they'll point out your, your pain and sorrow many times over. And over <laughs> and friendship. over. It was it was hilarious. Uh, so anyway, I just gave him a simple LOL. You're listening to Jeep Talk Show, the number one Jeep podcast at my mom's house. So I guess it's my turn. Coming up on Wrangler Talk, I talk about all my research into choosing my very first lift kit for my JKU. I knew it was going to happen. Before we get to that, guys, we figured it might be time to have ourselves. A little contest. Now, I know we're coming off the wake of our, our 200th episode. And wake is probably not a good, uh, good term <laughs> to use there. But uh, in any case, guys, uh, we've got something whipped up for you. In fact, Tammy has taken the reins on this one. Tammy, what have you whipped up for the folks this time around? Okay, I'm calling this my Jeep Mama decal contest. And what you can win, and um, some of you guys may not want to win this, but you lady Jeepers, it's a decal that you would put on your Jeep. And I guess you could put it up on your windshields, and it's um, badass toys ain't just for boys. Anyway, what you need to do is email me at Tammy at Jeep Talk Show before noon on Wednesday, December 18th. And November. in the body of your email, you need to type in the code words Jeep Mama Rocks. And I will put all the names of the people that I get an email from into a hat, and we'll draw out a winner. And I will announce the winner on our next podcast, which will record live tonight, just like or live next Thursday, just like we're doing tonight. That's Thursday, November 19th. So stay tuned to the Jeep Talk Show for next Thursday for the winner. And don't forget, email Tammy at JeepTalkShow.com. And in the body of the email, you need to type in the code words Jeep Mama Rocks, and you could win this cool <laughs> Jeep decal for your Jeep. Badass toys ain't just for boys. Tammy is so brainwashing people. Get those emails in, guys or gals. November yes. 18th is the deadline. November 18th, Wednesday, noon by Wednesday, November 18th. Get those emails in. Tammy at jeeptalkshow.com. Just make sure you put in Jeep Mama Rocks. You'll be in the running to win the first ever Jeep Mama decal contest. And you guys can, uh, you may not want to put this on your Jeep, but put it on your gal's Jeep. Uh, you know, you can surprise her. Jeep. I'm sure he'll oh, love it. Oh, yes. <laughs> and get us pictures. We would like to have pictures so oh, that yeah, we that can would be cool. share them oh, wide yeah. and far. 
So let me tell you guys about the 4x4 Radio Network. It is a, a collection of off-road podcasts. Of course, it's the Jeep Talk Show, the 4x4 Podcast, Center Steer, which is uh, Land Rovers, Muddy Microphones, ATVs, UTVs, and we've all joined forces to and created a network. Much like Voltron? Is that the, I think that's the way it goes. Yeah, uh, coming together like Voltron. <laughs> we'll be adding more shows to the lineup soon, and hey, there is talk about a new show coming on. I don't want to don't want to ruin it for you, but uh, it will make... Um, uh, another segment of the uh, off-roading population very happy, I'm sure. You can visit the 4x4radionetwork.com and all and listen to all these great podcasts by simply pressing the play button. There's no better place to get your 4x4 information. That's the 4x4 Radio Network, www.4x4radionetwork.com. Uh, Tony and Josh, I think now is the time that we should listen to some of our voicemails. Do we have any tonight? Got to. We got to listen to voicemails. We like hearing from our I friends love and neighbors. Voicemails. Yeah. Hey, this is Tony. And I'm Tammy. And this is Josh. And you've reached our 24 7 voicemail line. You guys know what to do. So at the beep, leave your message. Greetings, Jeep Talk. This is the Super Croc coming to you weirdly from Speakpipe. Yeah, I know. So what I was wondering today is, is what is your guys' flow chart off the top of your head for diagnosing no start issues in the XJ? Right now I'm having, yet again, no start issues. I've replaced a bunch of stuff. I've done a bunch of tests on fuel pressure and everything like that, and stuff seems to be coming up good. So, what's towards the end of it? I mean, other than looking for random loose dead critters in the engine or something like that, which I'm thinking maybe might have happened. Who knows? Yeah, it's kind of bugging me not having my Jeep up and running. So, and just for Nikki G... <laughs> you two guys get a room. <laughs> Loosens the earwax, didn't it, Josh? <laughs> well, I don't think he can say that on the air. <laughs> no, we do not have a uh, uh, aquatic mammal explicit rating. So, uh, great. Thank you for that voicemail. And, uh, yeah, I don't know, Josh, uh, actually, uh, or, or Tammy, either one of you guys take this, uh, other than putting the key in and, and turning it, uh, I don't know what the, uh, the checklist there, it can be very, very long on an X day. Yeah. The, the checklist is long, more time than we have to go over in, in this segment. But, uh, what I would recommend croc is, is definitely posting up your issue on xjtalk.com, mm-hmm. uh, and, and might as well, you know, hit up some of the other Jeep sites as well, uh, and try and cover the bases because really you're, you're getting into a lot of things, uh, a lot of troubleshooting steps that can take a lot of time, a lot of things to cover. Um, so, you know, trying to sit here and go through each and everything that you should be checking off your list, it's going to take a lot of time. So, um, you know, hit the major stuff, really take a look at your electrical, make sure you got spark, yeah. make sure you got spark. fuel. Yeah, well, he did. Really a, he, he said he did a full pressure fuel pressure test. He didn't say what the results were. Uh, and that's critical information to, to have when you post it on xgtalk.com. Uh, if you don't have spark, then it could be CPS or the uh, crank. Uh, I'm sorry, cam position sensor. Uh, and and I think that you know, of course, I think everybody knows that for the uh, the Jeep Cherokee, the uh, XJ, 
uh, the crank position sensor is the most common reason for no start. Or that is the one that's on the back of the bell housing. Conveniently uh, located. Yeah. <laughs> you're going to need about two and a half feet of uh, socket extensions and uh, probably a good uh, little wobble bit in there as well. And hit the thesaurus, uh, the, uh, the off-colored thesaurus before you start so you can throw in a couple of uh, expletives, new expletives right. that you haven't used before. So let's get over to Joe. I think Joe actually has, a, uh, has an issue with his uh, Grand Cherokee as well. Hey, guys. This is Joe, hey, and Joe. I'm on my Hi, way Joe. to work. And I'm in my van today uh, because yeah, my Jeep river. starter quitted. Um, but I think it's the valve cover leak that was leaking down on it, but that's okay. I've got a meeting, you know, to get it, you know, fixed. Uh, but you guys had answered my question about the water leak or something, you know, and I had, uh, you know, I, I could hear air bubbles in it. You know, my daughter was always complaining, and I was trying to That's fix right. it and stuff, but I figured out what it was. There was a bolt. Uh, my motor is the 4.7 high output. You know, it's on an Outlander 2000. There was some bolt up on top of the intake, and I screwed that loose, and I poured probably about a quart, two quarts of uh, coolant in there, uh, you know, about a half gallon. So I had a pretty big air bubble in there, and I'm monitoring it. I'm thinking because of the usage of that and the fact that it just keeps getting air in there that I might have a head gasket leak, but uh, I'm going to have that checked out. So I appreciate your help on that and uh, hope you guys are having a great week. Take care and I'll catch you later. Bye. Now I know nothing about the four seven. It almost sounds like they have a uh, contraption on there, a bolt that allows you to uh, get the, uh, Burp the uh, system. Yeah, the burp the system, the highest point. Yeah, I was, I'm leaning a little bit more towards the head gasket. Uh, and I, I think I called that out uh, when he uh, first gave that email to us, or that uh, voicemail to us. That was kind of the thing that was going off in the back of my head. I was like, yeah, this kind of sounds like head gasket. You know, a uh, compression test would be a good idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, get somebody down there with a bore scope or something like that, check things out. Um, but it sounds like you're, you, you definitely uh, are in the, going in the right direction. you got a, a shop or at least a, hopefully a good mechanic to, to check that out. So uh, keep us in the loop, Joe. Definitely uh, appreciate hearing how that all turns out. And best of luck with the repairs. Yeah, do keep us uh, up to date on that. You never know. There may be somebody listening with similar problems, and uh, your information will be able to help them out. And kind of the same thing we do on the forum. It's always good to – you know, it's, it's funny because uh, people will post a problem, and then – you never know if they got it fixed because they never come right. back to say <laughs> it's There's resolved. No I'm so happy. Yeah, it's like they got and it fixed. They forget about it. That's frustrating as a like when I go to the forums and I like search for something and you see this big <laughs> problem, but then you know nobody ever says what it was that fixed the problem. And this is like a problem that was like four or five years ago. And you're like, yeah. God. <laughs> and then uh, occasionally you'll see. I'm sorry to resurrect an old post, but right. what happened? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> How exactly. did you fix it? Two years later. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, yeah, you guys remember when you're on those forums, whether it be xjtalk.com, wranglertalk.com, or any of them, uh, think of the people. Think of the people years down the road and think uh, go of in the there. Jeepers. Think of the Jeepers yeah. and go down there and put in, uh, you know, you either burned it to the ground because you got tired of messing with it or, or you fixed it and what the fix was. Well, you so know what? You something else is a, more of a problem a than uh, people not updating their threads, and that is a lack of subscriptions on our YouTube channel. Very true. So what you guys need to do is even if you are a weekly subscriber to us and, and you download our, our podcast each and every week from iTunes, uh, we would appreciate you guys uh, going ahead and uh, heading over to 
iTunes or uh, YouTube.com slash Jeep Talk Show and hitting that subscribe button. We need our subscribers to get bumped up a little bit right now, and, and we could certainly use your guys' help. So if you could, go ahead and spread the word. Make sure you guys are subscribed. And uh, if you're not already, well, now would be a great time to go ahead and pause this feed. Head over to YouTube.com slash Jeep Talk Show and subscribe. Where do you listen to the Jeep Talk Show? What are you talking about, man? Where do you listen to the Jeep Talk Show? I got no idea what the heck. Where do you listen to the Jeep Talk Show at? Get out of my face, yo. Hey, where do you listen to the Jeep Talk Show at? Underwater. Hey, where do you listen to the Jeep Talk Show at? In the bubble bath. Where do you listen to the Jeep Talk Show at? No clue. And where do you listen to the Jeep Talk Show at? While flexing on stumps. Where do you listen to the Jeep Talk Show at? Hey, where do you listen to the Jeep Talk Show at? Hey, where do you listen to the Jeep Talk Show at? I would assume on the radio. The Jeep Talk Show, available on iTunes and at jeeptalkshow.com. Okay, folks, hey, of now you guys are- what you've all been waiting for, what we've all been looking forward to each and every week is hearing from the mind of Nikki G. From the mind of Nikki G. Hey, this is Nikki G, and uh, I would like to congratulate Cody on the successful production of A Hatchling. <laughs> and uh, I'd like to thank, thank him also for the tip on uh, practicing on another vehicle before you attempt to repair your own. I've always wanted to replace my heater core, but was unsure how to crack the dash open. So I went into town, uh, found a Cherokee, and uh, went <laughs> oh, to work. No. <laughs> yeah, now I'm, uh, I'm not allowed in Walmart either. All right, guys, I'll uh, chat with you later. You have a good one. Uh, you you got to let that one sink in a little bit. Uh-uh. Goodbye. Oh, got that one right away. <laughs> so I went to <laughs> Hey, this is Nikki G, and uh, I'm starting to rethink my uh, Denver D for president nomination as a uh, Although I would love to see Whoopi Goldberg slapped in the face, and I think he's the man for the job, I'm afraid that he will uh, ban The Walking Dead. Oh, and I got to yeah. get my zombies. All right, guys, I'll uh, chat you later. You have a good one. Bye. <laughs> you motherfucker. Y'all really had me going for a minute. I was about to be like, no way, you son of a bitches aren't going to sit there. And talk about your fucking Walking Dead show. <laughs> I love that. It was hilarious. That was seriously one of the best it. voicemail responses to any aspect of the show I think we have ever yeah. gotten. Yeah. I, I The first time I heard that, I think I just about lost bladder control. Yep, yep. Uh, it, was, it was one of the funniest things I had heard. No, actually time. you did and blamed it on the cat. I remember <laughs> that. <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> oh, damn that cat. I'm just... sorry about that. I need to clean that up with you. So, uh, so hysterical. Yeah, if you if you don't know what we're talking about because you've never heard it before, you can go back to episode 200 uh, during our uh, special two-hour episode, and uh, you'll hear several instances, including that uh, that audio clip, and uh, get the full scoop on the uh, the Denver D1, uh, the Walking Dead uh, debacle. It was hilarious. You're listening to a 4x4, 4x4 Radio Network podcast. Oh, it's just so sad when we don't have reviews. Don't you guys like hearing reviews? Don't you like hearing your name mentioned in the reviews? I like. It depresses me that we don't have any. I get depressed all week for the rest of the week. Literally slitting my wrist. You have depressed Jeep Mama. So, (gasps) yes. How dare you? (laughs) 
<laughs> so I will say uh, that I'll just tell everybody here, uh, open and honest, we have not had an iTunes review since October the 16th. Oh that's, my goodness. That's almost a month ago. And then we had like three in, in two days uh, in October and then nothing, mid-November, nothing. So you guys wow. get on the stick and give us some reviews. And, you know, you can go to Facebook, you can go to the Twitter, you can go iTunes, you can go to Stitcher and uh, just leave us a nice little review. You got something uh, to say, something we should change on the show, like more technical information on the show, which we're, we're trying to do. Uh, let us know. Uh, what, what would you like to see changed? None of us are leaving. We're all staying here. But other than that, <laughs> there's a possibility we may change something. Well, hey, let's talk about XJ Talk. And this is uh, pretty much where our roots came from, folks. It's how this podcast got started to begin with. We can all blame it on XJ Talk. That's <laughs> right. It's all the fault of that one site. And it is the web's most premier Jeep website out there, guys. It is... Uh, yeah, it was started for Cherokees, the XJ platform, but it's certainly grown since then. And we've got threads for other platforms as well. It branched off, even got a WranglerTalk.com for all of you guys out there uh, with, the, uh, with the other platforms. Uh, but uh, the XJTalk.com is a massive resource for any Jeep tech out there, guys. If you have a question about your Jeep, chances are you're going to find an answer or at least find a very knowledgeable person that can answer that question over at XJTalk.com. So don't be afraid. Uh, there's nothing that you got to sign up for. Of course, a membership would certainly help, uh, but it's absolutely free. Uh, so go ahead and sign up over at xjtalk.com right now. Let your fingers do the walking. Post up some build threads. Post up some pics of your Jeep, maybe even a wheeling video or two. And of course, join in on the fun in the chat room and peruse all the great tech we have over there at xjtalk.com. And uh, try wranglertalk.com as well. You'll find uh, Tammy and uh, her JKU exploits over there. Well, let's hey, get, speaking of, uh, yeah, go ahead, Tony. <laughs> I was just going to say, uh, I like yours. Speaking of exploits, uh, <laughs> <laughs> let's go ahead and exploit one of our fans right now. No, actually, hey. in fact, we encourage all of our fans, all of our listeners, anybody who would like to get involved with the show to do that. We give you guys tons of options, tons of ways to do that. And in fact, somebody had stepped up to the plate a while back and answered our call for a CJ segment and the one and only super croc with the CJ talk is up next. So this is going to be a continuation of his build update and uh, the breakdown of uh, his CJ with lots of rust issues. He's uh, having yeah. uh, digging, taking his time, getting all the bolts uh, uh, unrusted so that hopefully they won't break when he twists them off. But I'll let you t uh, listen to Anton tell you about it. Greetings, Jeep Talk. This is Super Croc coming to you with CJ Talk. Today we will talk about my build. The boot. So hang on. Buckle up, and we'll go on this together. Yeah, yeah, you betcha. So today, first I'd like to say um, happy, now will be belated Veterans Day to everyone that served in the military. Thank you for your service and that everything you've done throughout all time. And also, happy 200th now plus uh, episodes to Jeep Talk Show. Um, it's been great fun being able to uh, share my build through this forum and everything that I've learned from it. It's been awesome. So, a little update on my build. Um, last time I had partially completed stripping the frame and stripping the 
everything from the body of my CJ. So I've got the tub stripped except for the roll bar and the um, heating and ventilation system right now. The only reason I haven't got those out is there's a couple of pesky, rusty screws that I'm not wanting to necessarily break, so I'm letting them soak um, in some penetrating oil and hoping that will work. And then the roll bar, I'm not sure how I will address that because some of the areas are kind of rusted out, so I'll attempt to save it as much as possible, the floor mounting areas, to get that out. But that might not um, be able to be to get out as cleanly as I would like. I know I will have a fair amount of repairs on the on the body and rust abatement anyway. But I hope I'm trying to keep it to as little additional as possible. So that's where that is. I finally got some wiring done in the garage and more um, space on the bench so I have my transfer case and transmission up on the bench the transmission I have started to take apart and inspect to see what I need whether I need just a um, rebuild kit or if a simple rebuild kit or a gasket kit or what and Actually, it's looking like I will just need the basics, which is really nice. So, it doesn't look like there's much in damage for gears or anything like that. Um, there is a little bit of rust I'm kind of concerned about on one of the shifter rails. So, I'll have to try clean that up a little bit and hopefully it's just surface. I mean, the shifter rails don't really interfere with anything and um, but it's one of those things that should be taken care of and if I have to replace the part that wouldn't be good um, the transfer case has been basically cleaning off the outside and making sure that there's no more areas of rust that I have to take care of right now and then I've been slowly getting parts for the engine rebuild upgrade tear apart. I think I told you I have the the gasket kit for the the oil pan and the the improved oil pan gasket. I've got to get a rear main seal. I'll do that while it's easy. I've got a new valve cover gasket and hopefully I don't find anything like that. I've decided I am going to go to a throttle body conversion with it, which will be a separate talk in and of itself what that entails, but I got a few parts to that for that, and um, so getting the little bits and pieces together has been for that. Right now I've got it on an engine stand, and um, once I actually get a heater in the garage, I will start work on that. So that's where the CJ build has been so far. I've also taken the hard top off of it and separated it into its parts and I'm starting to refinish that. And so, yeah, not a whole lot. So, guys, remember to go on to, to your Wrangler Talk and 
XJ forums. Um, and let them know about the Jeep Talk show. Let them know about CJ Talk. And remember to remind uh, Tammy that the CJ is the best Wrangler <laughs> type-ish body. Because everyone knows that the Wrangler is just a cheap imitation of the CJ. <laughs> so Them's fighting words. You guys stay safe, stay jeeping, and remember to, to like and comment anywhere you can about the Jeep podcast. Thanks. That young man has his head on straight. I swear, somebody ought to give him a segment on a show or something. <laughs> Damn, <is> fighting words. <laughs> no, I kind of figured he was going to take a jab at you one of right. these days. But uh, no, thanks again, Super Croc. We very much appreciate you taking the time uh, to, uh, to share with us some tech about the CJs and stuff like that. Uh, we'll be looking forward to more from Anton uh, as the weeks move on. Uh, right now, we've got a little communications tech, some radio com tech from our one and only John, pre-runner 1982. Now, it's been a while uh, since part one was played, but you can go back and uh, regurgitate that by going to episode 196 and listen to part one of uh, this APRS. And this is APRS part two. I don't, I think it stands alone, but if you need to know more about it, just go back to 196 and listen to the first part. And now it's time for some radio com tech. Another warrior is on Lisa. This is John, pre-runner 1982, and on today's radio com tech segment, I'm going to finish up the APRS segment with what hardware is needed to set up an APRS mobile station. First, you'll need a two-meter radio. Since the necessary frequency of 144.39 MHz is in the amateur radio allocation, you will have to at least have your amateur radio technician license have an APRS station. Almost any 2 meter radio can be used, mobile, HT, dual band or single band. An HT is nice and compact, however, in stock form it offers a poor antenna and low wattage. In an area that may have ample digipeter coverage, this may be sufficient. However, on the trails or in the mountains, an HT just may not cut it. A mobile radio offers the additional wattage that may be needed in the backcountry areas. But if you're thinking that you can get a dual band radio and use one side for APRS and the other side for voice communications, beware, as most dual band radios are only dual receive, but single transmit. So if you have APRS beaconing, the radio becomes virtually useless for voice communications. There are some radios that include virtually everything needed for APRS built in, such as the Kenwood TM D710G and Yesu FTM 400DR mobiles and the Kenwood TH D72A and Yesu VX8DRHTs. However, these radios come with a pretty hefty price tag. A single band mobile radio that you can dedicate to APRS can be purchased new for about $130 or so if used. You will also need a GPS antenna or display unit. This is what obviously obtains the telemetry to be transmitted. For just a tracker, the GPS antenna will work fine. However, to get the most out of the APRS system, you'll need a GPS display unit as it will display the beaconing stations on its map. The Garmin Nuvi 350 is popular. However, it is no longer in production and may be difficult to find. Other GPS display units work, but not as well. There is a GPS unit specifically designed for APRS called AVMAP Geosat 6, but it is a bit pricey. There is also an app for Android devices that I will discuss in a moment. 
To allow the radio and GPS antenna or display unit to communicate with each other, you'll need a TNC or a terminal node controller. This takes the digital info from the GPS and converts it into the audio that the radio can then transmit. It also takes the incoming audio signal and converts it into digital information to be displayed on the GPS unit. The Tiny Tracker and Argent Data Open Tracker are popular TNCs. There is also a Bluetooth TNC called the MobiLinked, M-O-B-I-L-I-N-K-D, that works in conjunction with Android devices running the APRS Droid app in lieu of a GPS antenna display unit. A cell phone running the APRS Droid app can be standalone. However, this requires that your phone use a cell network and is not really what Rob Berniga, WB4APR, had in mind when he created APRS as a way to provide tactical digital communications. The radio and TNC are connected via cables that may be specific to the TNC and the radio. You will also need an antenna for the radio. For an HT, in an area with good digipeter coverage, the stock antenna may be okay, but an external antenna is always better. A mobile radio would also require an external antenna. However, the external antenna can be smaller, such as a quarter wave. In APRS Part 1, I mentioned APRS maps online, such as APRS.fi and OpenAPRS.net, but I forgot to mention that just because you don't see beacons in your area doesn't mean there isn't any APRS activity. It just means there isn't an eye gate in the area to send the activity to the internet. Hopefully this has given you some insight into APRS and perhaps piqued your interest. I would also like to remind everyone about XJ Talk's amateur radio sister site, didadit.com. That's di-dah-dit.com. And you can also find us on Facebook. If you have any questions or comments, please send me an email to prerunner1982 at yahoo.com. This is John, Prerunner, 1982, clear. Great information, and I'll just give really you a, is, a yeah. quick synopsis. Basically, ARPS does nothing more than show somebody's position on a moving map, and it allows you to do that without having to connect to the Internet or have anything other than what the items that John was talking about. So you will be transmitting your position uh, out on a certain frequency, and it will have uh, like your call sign, your amateur radio call sign, and, and it even has a different icon depending on what kind of vehicle you're in. They even have a Jeep icon that you can display in APRS, uh, or cool. just, yeah, or just a, a, a walkie-talkie. You know, just whatever you are, fixed base station, whatever. So, uh, if you think of it being out on the trail, you can know where your other buddy is or other buddies are simply by looking at the APRS uh, display. So if somebody gets in trouble or, you know, any of that stuff, uh, you can just look at your display and, and you know exactly where to go to them. And that's what APRS was, was, was created for, was simply a way of determining the position of the stations. Uh, for like when amateur radio goes out and helps during emergency communications, they can actually know exactly where that amateur radio operator is and get a message to police, fire, you know, wherever they're located. So, uh, but we can use it as amateur radio operators for any reason we'd like to like to do. I mean, as long as they're legal. So that's just kind of the, uh, the reason for ARPS and why you would be able to use it out on the trail. And hey, just a real quick little bit of information. If you guys want to check out the hardware that John was talking about, head over to mobilelinked.com. That's M-O-B-I-L-I-N-K-D.com. You guys can check out the hardware there, which they have for sale, and you guys can put together your own kit and get APRS going with your own rig. 
it can be very confusing. Uh, so uh, you can come over to xjtalk.com. We have a little amateur radio section there that you can uh, ask for help and maybe some direction on how to set up your ARPS, APRS station. Uh, or uh, like John was talking about, the uh, sister site, uh, di-dit-dah.com. And if you people are saying, what the hell, it's basically Moore's code for R. <laughs> So, uh, anyway, uh, you'll, you'll probably be able to find that in the show notes uh, of this episode as well, instead of having to write all that stuff down, but you can always rewind and, and write it down. Hey, speaking of rewinding, which it has nothing to do with this, it's time for Jeep mama. Shut up and listen. Shut up. Shut up. So shut up. You don't shut up. Shut up. Say. Hey, shut up and listen. It's time for Wrangler talk. It's time for G mama. Um, Tony, Josh, guys, um, all week I have been posting on my blog about Jeep lifts. And it's a three-part series called The Right Lift for Me. And every Jeep owner is going to want different things, different lifts, different tires. They may not want to lift. So to start the process, I needed to ask myself some questions. And for me, the Two most important questions I have to answer for myself is why do I want to lift and how much garage clearance I have? First of all, why do I want to lift? For me, the number one reason is for more ground clearance out on the trails. And of course, the second reason is to have a more badass looking Jeep. But anyway, (laughs) so to be able to hit those blue trails with more confidence, I would like a little bit more ground clearance. Um, But right now, I've started to fortify my undercarriage by adding the oil pan and trans skid plate, which I'm getting to soon. And then I will either relocate or shore up my EVAP canister skid plate. Um, I just would like to make those blue trails on my stock Jeep a little bit more um, capable uh, uh, by getting a lift. So once I get that under my belt, I would like to definitely hit those black trails. So anyway, moving on to the next question is how much garage clearance I have. Now, right now, looking at my stock Rubicon, thinking about a lift and bigger tires, it's like, I don't think my Jeep's going to fit in the garage. And my Jeep being in the garage is pretty important to me. Um, So I kind of asked around for other Jeepers to tell me, you know, how tall their Jeep was, what their Jeep sizes are. And it seems like my garage opening is pretty standard compared to everyone else's. It's 83 inches from the floor to the top opening of the garage. But when the garage door is up, it hangs just a little bit below that. So it leaves me seven inches to spare. But really, that's a lot of space. So now I need to start looking at the certain height my lift, different lifts will get, give me and the different tire sizes. So my two possibilities I was thinking of are actually three were 2.5 lift with 35s or a 3 or 3.5 lift with 33s, or I could go with 3.5 with 35s. Maybe that will fit. So more importantly, how much ground clearance will I get? It's how tall my Jeep will be to fit in my garage. I also want to be able to maintain my center of gravity. And one more thing I need to think about, which I'd like to thank FJ Rick for pointing out, is my added flexibility. What kind of lift will give me added flexibility? So... I have a couple of questions I'm going to ask Tony and Josh. This is a perfect time to introduce our newest segment, Tech Talk with Jeep Talk. You got tech questions? Ah, what do I ever? 
we have answers. Oh, that's good. because I, I, It's Tech Talk with Jeep Talk. So first of all, does a lift give me ground clearance or do my tires give me ground clearance? Tires is what gives you the ground clearance and the lift enables you to put larger tires under the Jeep and of course, um, increase your articulation. So you could have, you know, 12 inches of lift, but if you're running 28 inch tires, you're really not going to be traveling over much anything bigger than a curb, maybe. But uh, So, you know, the tires is what gives you the ground clearance. But in order to fit larger tires, generally, you need more lift. So, Tony or Josh, what is articulation? What do you mean by articulation? Articulation is the movement of the suspension, how much the suspension okay. can travel. And, and more importantly, how much independent suspension you have from the front to the rear how much the, the front suspension can move one direction while the rear suspension moves another. And I'll mention something. This is often misunderstood, and sometimes I forget about it and have to think about it. Uh, articu the articulation that you want is down. You don't care so much about it coming up. I mean, it, it's nice to have the articulation coming up, but say, for example, you wanted to put a lot larger tire on your Jeep. It would fit in the wheel well, but if you went off-road and started to articulate your suspension – the tire is going to get up into the fender or the wheel well and tear up the tire and stuff. You can always bump stop it and keep that uh, axle from coming up so the tire doesn't never gets into the fender or into the wheel well. Because what you're trying to do when you go off-road is have that wheel drop down, not necessarily go up. It's just It goes up on the other side, but if you stop it, now you're just going to be twisting the body more. So you can put larger tires on a vehicle without uh, having to do the lift. Now, I, I know a lot of people I hear, you know, you could do a body lift, and then I hear people say, no, don't do a body lift. What is a body lift? So the Wranglers are a body-on-frame vehicle, whereas okay. the Cherokees, the XJs, those are a unibody vehicle, meaning there is no body, a separate body, a shell that is attached to a frame. Now, the Wrangler has a shell or a tub, mm -hmm. and that tub is attached to the frame. Well, there are small little spacers, isolators, that are in between that body and the frame. And that's for a number of reasons. One, to uh, give a little bit more room for wires and tubing and, and stuff like that, but also to isolate the body from the frame to reduce things like road vibrations and, and other vibrations, uh, road noise and, and things like that. So, the engine creates um, quite a bit of vibration into the frame as well. Right. So uh, when they're talking about a body lift versus a suspension lift, uh, obviously this is something that can only be applied to vehicles with a frame. Uh, the body lift takes out the stock spacers and puts in larger spacers, thus spacing the body up from the frame. Now, this lifts the body from the frame, and it can give you similar advantages um, like a lift kit. However, it doesn't improve your articulation whatsoever. It just gives you the ability to run larger tires. Mm-hmm. Okay. So there's two ways of getting the larger tires on there with the uh, with the body on frame vehicles, which there are several. Uh, but uh, the only the thing that, and I don't have a lot of experience with this. So you know, Josh, maybe you do. Uh, the thing that bothers me is that I hear about people putting four inch lifts, body lifts, six inch body lifts. Oh. Um, it, it it scares me because the only thing that's holding that body to the frame are bolts. I mean, those spacers are just you know there to uh, to you know, to keep the height of uh, of of the the body above the frame. So it just bothers me from the standpoint of thinking about those those six bolts 
is all that's holding <laughs> that body to the frame and you're taking it off road and doing all kinds of stuff. Looks pretty cool, but it, it makes me a little nervous. I like the, the shorter, more stout bolt. I mean, maybe I'm thinking about it wrong, but it just seems to me to be a little safer. I'd, I would rather go with the suspension lift over a body lift. Absolutely. I would agree with you there, Tony. Uh, basically, more from a pros versus cons standpoint, mm-hmm. there's just so many more pros to, to doing a, a suspension lift versus a body lift only. Uh, obviously, budget constraints um, can, can force you to go one way or the other. Uh, but uh, like Tony said, you know, body lifts, they're fine and dandy. Keep it in moderation, though. Uh, you know, if you've got more body lift than you have suspension lift, chances are you've uh, you've done your research a little bit wrong yeah i mean uh it's not i mean there's lots of jeeps out there lots of wranglers doing both but the, absolutely but, but there's the, nothing wrong with doing both there's nothing right. wrong with having a little body lift but if you have four inches of body lift and two inches of suspension lift i'd say you did it backwards yeah i, I do too and keep in mind too when you raise the body with the body lift the the transmission uh like if you've got a standard transmission that stick that you use just got two inches shorter or four inches shorter or whatever the body lift was. And that's why they sell uh, extensions for those, uh, for those uh, shift uh, levers. Yep, exactly. So when you're talking about, you know, doing a lift kit, there's a lot of things that come into, come into play, whether it's a body lift or whether it's a suspension lift. So just make sure that you do your research and, and look into everything that you're going to be facing regardless of which direction that you go. See how somebody else did it and find out what shortcomings, uh, pardon the pun, they had by doing it the way they did. And maybe uh, how would they have done it differently? So one of the things that I'm running into, and I know a lot of other people do, is my pocketbook. And Mm -hmm. getting a lift and new tires and wheels, you know, all that's pretty expensive. So I was just thinking out loud to myself, could I just add new tires without getting a lift? Like, could I, could my stock Wrangler handle putting 35s without a lift? Yes and no. Uh, And it depends on how far you want to go with things and how much money you do want to throw at it. Now, lift kits, especially for the JKs, are expensive, especially if you want to get anything nice and it's going to last a while and hold up and Give you some room for for uh, improvement and, and upgrades in the future. Uh, but if you aren't made of money, like most of us are, but you are at the point of uh, your Jeep life to where you definitely are ready for a lift and you're ready for some some bigger tires and you're ready to take your your wheeling tactics, your weak, we, uh, wheeling skills up to the next level by hitting some of those uh, bigger trails. Well, for the JK owners, you you only have a handful of options and they get more expensive as you go up. One of the, the easiest things to do uh, is going to be modifying your vehicle. And this is going to involve some cutting. Now, the, you don't have to get into the sheet metal or anything like that. But as we all know, the JK fender flares are huge. They are massive. They are bulky. And they have a lot of face to them, meaning that's the, the part that you actually see, not the, the, the part that's like you could rest your beer can on. So the part that faces out from the vehicle, you want you can cut all that off, basically turning your stock JK fenders, uh, fender flares into flat fender flares. Kind of looks like the like the uh, the bushwhackers of sorts. Uh, this can be done with a body saw, with a hacksaw, with a cutoff blade. Uh, there are lots of write ups on how to do this, but if you want a little bit more clearance, uh, that's the way to do it. Now the JKUs can fit 35s without absolutely doing anything at all. You can go to Les Schwab or whatever, your local tire center, 
Get a set of 35s, slap them under your JKU fresh off the showroom floor without doing a single thing else to it. The problem with that is, is once you start loading up with gear and start going off-road, you're going to run into some rubbing very, very quickly. In fact, you're going to be lucky to even get on the trail. So you got to have some clearance. you got to have a little bit of clearance. And cutting some fender flares is going to be the way to do that. Skinny tires may get you a little bit more clearance as well. But let's face it, um, like Tony was talking about earlier, once that suspension starts to travel upwards, you're going to run out of room very quickly. So bump stopping is an option as well. And that's going to be limiting your suspension travel. I am never a fan for limiting suspension travel. Because once you, if you limit your up travel, as soon as you come up to an obstacle, remember, it's not always about going down into an obstacle. Sometimes it's about coming up on an obstacle. And as you come up on an obstacle, the objective is to keep the vehicle as straight as possible, as flat as possible. Mm. Not always possible, obviously. So if you have limited up travel suspension, that up travel is going to be very, very short. And once you run out of up travel suspension, well, that starts pushing the vehicle over. Mm. And once the vehicle starts pushing over, well... Then you start getting into some very off-camera situations, potentially uh, tipping over, things like that. I'm not saying it's going to happen every time with every driver on every obstacle, but nonetheless, it's definitely something that happens when you start limiting suspension travel. Now, there's things like budget boosts, and these are very, very budget-friendly, mild lift kits that basically are spring spacers, let's face it. And you can get <laughs> these things for you know a couple hundred bucks, a full kit. And that will lift up your, your, uh, your JK by about an inch and a half to inch and three quarters, give or take. And it comes with all the hardware you need, uh, including, you know, some things to um, uh, the, deal with the shocks and uh, sway bar spacers, things like that to do some relocations. $200 will get you a decent kit as far as that goes. And things go up from there. Things like a, uh, a four-inch uh, body lift kit, uh, which is, comes with spring spacers and body uh, spacers and stuff like that spring spacers and some uh, some gaskets to to kind of hide the uh, the separation between the frame and the and the uh, and the body and those run about 300 bucks and, and things just go up from there mild lift kit 500 bucks so let me ask a quick question sure. here Josh um, sure. Tammy uh, do you have you disconsidered doing the lift and keeping the tires that you have they're they're perfectly fine they are off-road type tires uh, there's absolutely nothing wrong with running a lift and having more ground clearance between uh, the body uh, I mean, it's going to, and it's certainly going to allow you more up travel uh, with a higher, uh, higher body and just use those tires that you have to go off road until they get worn down to a point where you can put larger tires on. Yeah, I was considering, you know, just doing the, the 2.5 lift. And this is one of my questions I was going to ask Josh. And sure. as I'm looking at the show notes, my question was, does a 2.5 lift look silly? Would it look silly with my stock tires? And I'm I'm looking at this picture Josh put up, and I don't know. I just kind of think that is a maybe that is a two and a half inch uh, rough country lift kit on a JKU on a four door JK. Uh, this is a long arm version of a two and a half inch kit, um, and uh, and it's running the stock tires, which I think are what thirty twos roughly. Uh, yeah, they it's a, like thirty one and some odd inches. Yeah, it's, it's a metric thirty two of, of right. thirty two. Yeah. So um, you will have some a lot more room in your wheel well than you're used to. Uh, is it going to look funny? That's a matter of perspective. Uh, that's a matter right. of opinion. Everybody has their own opinions of what looks good and what doesn't. Uh, obviously, you're going to have a lot more room for, for tires, but um, it's going to be up to, up to you whether or not you can live with that until you, right. uh, you, until you save up your pennies to, to buy some bigger tires. 
Now, let me ask you this. If I did get bigger tires, could I save money by using the stock wheels, the the rims? Well, yeah, you can put larger tires on your stock wheels. That's not a problem. In fact, a lot of Jeep owners uh, do that several times over through huh. a, as they upgrade and, and, and kind of, you know, progress through through their build and stuff. Uh, but just keep in mind that you can only go so wide with a, you know, this wide a tire. And I think the, the at least in, in this picture, the, the Moab style JK uh, wheels can't fit uh, more than an 1150 wide tire. And that's a, that's a metric conversion right there. A 1050 mm. would be a, a standard conversion. So, um, in which there's nothing wrong with that. You don't have to run 1250 or 1350, 1450 wide tires. Um, so there's lots, there's plenty of options there. You can run larger tires on your stock wheels. That's the bottom line. Uh, There's so many options. It's I'm serious. I would highly recommend uh, saying screw it to the way it looks. Be practical because of your pocketbook. Do the lift and then do the tires when it, tires and wheels when it's time right. late and later when you can uh, afford it better. That's what I was. That's what I was considering, but Function I still have form. a lot to learn about just even what is in a lift kit and you know, all the different things. So I'm going to have lots of questions in the next couple of episodes. Well, hey, that's, that's for good sure. because that's what we are here for, guys. And if you guys have some tech questions about your own Jeep, regardless of what platform it is, you can send in those question submissions to info at jeeptalkshow.com. You guys can also give our SpeakPipe uh, feature a try over on our website or give us a call and leave a voicemail like we heard earlier in the show. 530-675-4102 would be those numbers to dial. And Tammy has a uh, another presence on the uh, the internet. How can people uh, reach out to your uh, blog? Um, they can just go to my blog, and on the right hand side of the page, there's a little contact me, um, and they can just fill that out. Or the blog can... website address would be oh www.jeepmama.com, and it's j e e p m o m m a dot com. We say it so often, not not necessarily Jeep Mama, but all these things. Sometimes we forget that uh, there's new people uh, listening to the show all the time. So uh, that's why we keep telling people. And you never can tell. They've heard it for the 50 millionth time. They may actually right. go over there. <laughs> Let's get into some uh, campfire side chat. Heidi ho, neighbor. Ers. <laughs> Oh, so you're on that side of the fence now. Okay. <laughs> Which, whichever one gets me more Jeep parts. That's right. So let me get Wait, into guys, this. We're going uh, to pull up a couple chairs around the campfire, and we're just going to BS about Jeeps for a minute here, so uh, you guys can definitely join in on the fun. Tony, what's happening in your Jeep world? So I'm going to talk about the uh, the new Jeep. Uh, they call it a Compass. I call it a Honda. No, it's not. <laughs> I'm going to talk. I'm going to talk about a Honda tonight because this has been the bane of my existence for the last. Hey, I've got one of those. Three weeks. Uh, fortunately, mine stays in the driveway. But then, then again, you can't drive it very far because it's been having a charging issue. So uh, the uh, the girls, my wife and, and one of the girls, was driving home uh, one night in the uh, the Honda, and they said it was making a a chirping noise, a squeaking noise. And I'm like, uh, yeah, don't worry about it. It's probably the belt, or it's probably you know some little something. Uh, and then the then the the, uh, the the lights got dim on the uh, the Honda, and it wouldn't start. And I said, okay, well maybe it's a battery, maybe it's the the alternator. Did some testing. It pointed to the alternator. Got a new alternator. Put it on there. Didn't help the situation uh, at all. Uh, I was seeing like uh, 11 volts on the battery, and then uh, during the uh, 
uh, with the engine running, I was uh, seeing it go up to 12 volts. <laughs> so we got another battery, and uh, there definitely was a battery issue. Uh, and then uh, it still wouldn't charge. I mean, it would mm. not go above like 12, uh, maybe 1201 volts. And uh, the chirping continued. Well, long story short, if that's possible, the issue was, uh, I think it was a combination of issues. Um, I think it, the, the main issue was is the belt was loose. Oh, okay. Yeah. So uh, I tightened up the belt last night and cranked it up and was getting 14.5 volts Dang. out of the Imagine alternator. Imagine that. <laughs> and I just want to warn you, if you're a, a Jeep Cherokee aficionado, you know when the, the, there's a loose belt on a Cherokee, especially when you start up the AC unit, it squeals like Ike and Tina Turner having a fight. It is really noisy. Not so with the Honda. It's a chip, 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 chip. And I did not realize that it was that loose. You know, they put a wing nut on the adjustment. At least that's the way it is on this 2003. There's a wing nut on the, the alternator adjustment. To me, wing nut means you use your fingers. And if you use your fingers, that means it's not. it shouldn't be tightened down with a wrench that you might damage something on that little tinker toy of an engine. So uh, I was tightening it with my hands, and then uh, Matt was telling me, he says, no, tighten up that belt. Put a, <laughs> put a wrench on it. So I did, and uh, now it, it, there's no chirping. There's no, uh, no problem with it charging. And, and one of the clues was that if you accelerated the engine, the voltage actually went down. So if it was running 12 volts, it would drop down to 12.8. I mean, sorry, 11.8, uh, 11.7, 11, 11, 11.6 as it was running. So the belt was slipping, and the, uh, the alternator wasn't turning. It, it, I mean, all this stuff is like common sense things, and I'm sure you're going, well, duh, of course. But when it's a completely another, a completely other vehicle and different technology, at least in my mind, it is. I mean, when you look at an engine and transmission that's about three feet uh, long and looks like you can pick it up with one arm, uh, it you know, it's it's kind of uh, without the confidence of knowing how it works or how it's supposed to work. It, it was you know difficult to come up with a, the right answer. But it's going now. Uh, they uh, One of the girls drove it to work and drove it back home at night, and it seems to be doing Good. fine. Glad to hear it. Glad to hear it. It's always, uh, always uh, nice to hear a happy ending of uh, tech problems that somebody has that you know. It definitely can cause a lot of, a lot of issues in, in people's lives, and, and when that gets resolved, oh, a wonderful thing. It's almost as much fun as finding it after it's been stolen, right, Josh? <laughs> Let me tell you. <laughs> well, something I found out uh, this last weekend uh, was it's a good idea that if you're doing a rear main seal swap on your four liter, uh, it's a good idea to maybe pick up a couple of those rear main seals. Uh, in the process of um, pushing the old one out and uh, putting the new one in, um, I got some a lot of resistance, and I, I was fighting the, the new one, getting it pushed in. Man, I had soaked it up. I had oiled it up. I had lubed that thing up more than, <laughs> well, you can fill in the blank there. But um, trying to push it in, I end up screwing it up oh, royally. No. And for our live uh, viewers uh -oh. right now, I'm, I'm holding that thing up. And for any of you who have ever seen a rear main seal, um, know that they are supposed to be perfectly circular or half circular in this case. Uh, this one, not so much. I ended up uh, just about tacoing this thing in half, and uh, that's really so, strange. Thankfully, I and, and they are they are very stout. I mean, I am pressing fairly hard right now, and I mean, I could I could just squeeze this thing and and, and completely push it in half, but uh, it, it bent relatively easily. I mean, I, I was definitely putting a lot of force on it, uh, 
but uh, it was a good thing I had a spare. I, I bought two because I knew that there was a good chance that I was going to screw this one up. So uh, anyways, got the uh, got the new one pressed in and uh, and now it's working fine. And um, uh, one of the other things I wanted to show you guys as part of the other project uh, that I'm, I'm tackling right now is uh, this uh, custom throttle body that I've been building. Uh, thanks to uh, Dean Murray, who donated throttle body to begin with about, uh, I don't know, what was that, a year ago? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I finally got around to doing something with it. And, uh, and one of the things I did was bore it out to 62 millimeters, and I put in a new butterfly valve. Now, last week, I tried showing our live audience that, but we didn't have a live show because we had some technical problems. And so you guys missed that. Well, since then, I have put it on the uh, the intake manifold, and I wasn't about to bring in the entire intake manifold <laughs> in here and show you guys. Uh, but what oh, I did come do, on. I know, you can do that. I know. Hey, I could run out. It's on the workbench right now. <laughs> but um, one of the things I did do is uh, is bring in one of the butterfly valves. Now, for those of you who don't know, I I work at a machine shop. I am a design engineer, and I have access to to uh, CNC machines. And uh, and one of the things I decided to do was once I took that throttle body up to that 62 millimeters, obviously the the stock butterfly valve wasn't going to work anymore. Uh, so I had to design a new one. Uh, using the stock one as a template and then going out from there, um, I ended up making myself a new one. Now, it started off as a blank piece of 6061 aluminum, which is 062 thick or roughly a sixteenth of an inch thick. Uh, and this is just, you know, your average um, 6061 aluminum. Uh, it's perfect for this kind of application. Uh, nice and stout aluminum, very lightweight, easy to machine, and you enables you to do some cool custom stuff like this. I took the Jeep logo... Uh, downloaded a vector format of the Jeep logo from the Jeep's website um, press package and uh, and brought that into my engineering program and ended up uh, impose, uh, superimposing here the, um, the Jeep logo onto my butterfly valve uh, just for grins and giggles. Now, obviously, that's not going to do a damn thing as far as performance or anything like that. It wasn't for that. That's and 15 actually, horsepower. Quit lying to him. <laughs> it's not for anybody else either. That's just for me because honestly, who the hell is going to see this ever unless they're actually going into my throttle body, you know, looking at things. So this is not But you're going to know that, what's uh, there. I know. Yeah. So now that uh, you guys know, uh, I guess you guys are going to know now that, that, that that's in there. Now, this is a spare that I have. I made two um, just in case I needed to, you know, take off some material because uh, it's always easier to take off material than to put it back on. Um so I made an extra one in case I uh, in case I need to do some modifications. Now, what am I going to do with this? Well, I'm not going to wear it around my neck oh. like a pendant or a Flavor Flav. Uh, so Why I decided not? that um, that it needs a new home. Now, I I could you know use this as a coaster here in the studio or something like that. Uh, but I decided that a better suited use for this would be another contest. Now, one of the things I'm thinking about doing now, guys, and I haven't written this in stone yet. I don't even know if I'm going to do this, but something I'm toying around with in the back of my mind is boring out that other throttle body I have, the one that came off of my Jeep, and installing this throttle body and actually creating a contest to give away a 62-millimeter board Ooh, throttle body with a custom goodness. butterfly valve here on the Jeep Talk Show. Now, that's not written in stone yet. It's not something that I'm officially announcing yet. And if I did do it, honestly, it's going to be several months down the road. So, yeah, just, you know, keep your ears uh, dialed and, uh, of course, keep uh, downloading the Jeep Talk Show. That might be something we can look forward to in the near future. Very nice. That's uh, I think I paid about 200 bucks for mine, uh, and it doesn't have any uh, uh, writings on the uh, the butterfly. 
So uh, you uh, you need to uh, actually get yours cranked up and make sure that uh, the uh, throttle body modifications that you made work. So yep. just want to let everybody know that the other throttle body may be the original throttle <laughs> body may be going back on there uh, just to make the Jeep run. So there's a lot of ifs, ands, and buts. But uh, I, I, Josh is an engineer designer. I'm sure he's designed it properly. But you still, it's good to see it running and running properly. Oh, uh, I first. can't wait. And actually, that's that's probably going to be what's going to happen this weekend. Um, I'm buttoning things up. Everything is at the point now of where everything is, the sub-assemblies are put back together. Uh, things are just about ready to just be bolted back in. So hopefully this weekend, I will be able to get a few hours underneath and on top of the Jeep, and I will actually get that thing fired up. And think, I'm gonna, uh, what I'm planning on doing, Tony, is I'm going to set up a camera inside ah, the garage. Excellent. Yeah. I was just getting ready and to I'm, ask you that. <laughs> and I'm going to uh, for the for the big uh, for the big uh, the big start because there's a lot of things that I've done over over the last several months that the Jeep has been sitting in the garage being torn apart and repaired and, and upgraded and stuff like that. So uh, it's a big deal that uh, if, when that key gets cranked that that Jeep starts and runs the way it's supposed to. So if it doesn't, well, there's probably going to be a lot of bleeping in that video. <laughs> Well, that's excellent, Josh. You actually read my mind. I was just going to ask you if it might be possible for you to uh, video that. And uh, if if we're lucky, it won't start uh, the first try. <laughs> it would have to be a rated rated G video for us. I'm not uh, I'm not suggesting that you do any funny business there, or maybe uh, stick the no co starter on uh, without a battery and see if it'll start it. Uh, but uh, you know, uh, you never know. You never know what might happen. Well, Tammy, uh, I'm a little nervous about hearing about your stuff. Well, well, I'll, I'll go to that one last. Um, Tony and Josh are reading the little notes in the, the show notes, what I wrote, what I'm going to talk about. But first, um, actually, I'm kind of excited because when I go um, off-roading, I have a CB radio, and right now I just have my CB radio. I just use the cigarette lighter plug and plug it in, and I just use it when I'm on the trails because I really don't need a CB radio when I go to my kid's school or when I go to the grocery store. So right now it kind of just sits on my passenger seat, and I really don't like it there because, you know, as you've heard in some of my YouTube videos, there's a lot of bouncing around, and, oh, yeah. you know, I'm like, Oh my God. Oh my God. Screaming. And a lot of those times it's, I'm bouncing around and my CB radio has gone onto the the floorboard. So I did find, um, a CB mount that I'm probably going to mount it above or kind of like right below my, um, rear view mirror. Mm -hmm. So it's, I'm going to be ordering up hopefully this weekend, a rugged Ridge CB mount, and hopefully I'll be able to install that myself. Um, the other thing is that I'm so excited about, I'm kind of, this is kind of a bittersweet moment for me. Um, I have these three moms that we kind of hang out together. We did our mud run with and, um, we go have wine night and stuff. Well, my friend who lives across the street, another mom blogger, she has gotten us, um, a hotel room and, um, dinner reservations and next Saturday night, the four of us are going out on a little, this is part of my 50 before 50 um, girls night out, and we're calling it Moms Go Wild. Oh, boy. So, <laughs> so we're going to go out and go dancing and have dinner, and we don't even have to drive home. We're just going to go hop into our hotel beds and sleep it all off. So stay tuned for pictures from Moms Go Wild. <laughs> <laughs> It is a G-rated site. Well, PG-13. Yes. Yes. Well, we'll, we're, we'll, we'll we're moms, so we're those. not in our 20s anymore. So the wildness is not, 
as wild as it used to be. The wildness includes naps. I got you. And yeah, the wildness exactly. is going to end promptly at 10 o'clock because right. that's bedtime. We'll be out by then. <laughs> we used to, in our 20s, we used to go out at 10 o'clock, but now we're in I know. and sleeping at 10 o'clock. Leave me, I know. <laughs> All righty. Well, that'll be interesting to see what happens there. Well, speaking of interesting things and seeing what was happening where, uh, let's uh, talk to Josh about Wheelingware. Yeah, last week I told you guys that uh, Wheelingware is kind of going on hiatus for a little bit. Uh, frankly, all the shows are kind of coming to an end. SEMA just happened, and that was pretty much about it, at least for the rest of the year. Now, what's coming up on the horizon? Well, charities, fundraisers, toy drives, coat drives, things like that. And I know that all of you guys out there that are listening to this, or at least some of you, are part of a local four-wheel drive club, or at least you know about one. And I'm pretty sure that that local four-wheel drive club is going to have some charitable events that they are planning coming up for the, uh, the the last part of the year. So if you guys want to get the word out about those and maximize the benefit to the, ki- the kids or whatever charity that you are, are uh, generating funds for or, or doing a food drive or coat drive or toy drive for or whatever, um, let's go ahead and get the word out. And you send in that info as soon as you can. As soon as you know about it, get it in. Because I'm only going to be able to talk about so many per show. And of course, uh, with a weekly show, guys, we'll wrap up pretty quick. End of the year will be here before you know it. Well, don't forget Jeep Junkies, wherever you guys are wheeling. If you pack it in, pack it out. Let's leave our outdoor recreation spots in as good, if not better condition than they were when we arrived. Make sure you do not tread. Make sure you do not wheel where you're not supposed to. And always tread lightly. That's it for this week, guys. If you've got an event or something that you want to tell us about, make sure you send an email to info at jeeptalkshow.com. We love hearing from you guys, even if it's just a friendly hello. Ah, we love hearing the friendly hellos or the uh, the ones we get from Denver D1 that aren't so friendly. But they're always hey. funny. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and hey. guys, don't forget about you know the GP Cal. You could win it. Just send me an email with the secret code in the email. Um, email it to Tammy at jeeptalkshow.com and the secret code that you put in the, the body of the email is Jeep Mama Rocks. Hey Jeepers, we know you guys are making purchases all the time. We see it on our Amazon You Bought What segment. The next time you guys order your Jeep parts, make sure you ask the business if they know about the Jeep Talk Show. Let them know just how much you guys enjoy our podcast. If you're buying a product or a service from a vendor because of a review or a discussion you heard here on the show, make sure you let that vendor know. And if they don't already know about the Jeep Talk Show, make sure you tell them about the one and only Jeep Talk Show. Hey, make sure you visit our like and like our page at facebook.com slash Jeep Talk Show. We're on the Twitter at Jeep Talk Show, Stitcher Radio, TunedIn.com, iTunes, YouTube website. Uh, you know, we're everywhere you, you look. All you have to do is look. Uh, like the show, help us out, and be sure to tell a friend. Be sure and tell a friend. Uh, don't forget to be part of the show as well. There's always a seat open for you. You'd like to do a segment. Right. Maybe you got a renegade, and you'd like to do a renegade segment. We would love to have it on the show. We'd like to hear more about the capabilities of the renegade or the 2014-2015 uh, uh, Cherokee, the trail chicken, uh, any of that stuff. We'd, we'd like to hear more about it. We're going to give you a hard time, but we'd like to have you on the show. <laughs> That's right, <laughs> so, guys. A number of ways you can do that. By all means, send us those emails to info at jeeptalkshow.com. And don't forget about our 24-7 voicemail line. Give us a call anytime regardless of what kind of condition or your blood alcohol content is. <laughs> 530-675-4102. And let's hear from some of the women out there. We uh, we love the women. Uh, we, uh, we haven't been uh, caught and prosecuted yet, so we'd like to hear from you. <laughs> Tell us about your Jeep and what you do with it. You guys have a great Jeep week. We'll see you next time. 
See you later. Warning, the Jeep Talk Show is intended for entertainment purposes only. Use as directed. In relation to actual information, real Jeeps or persons living or dead are purely coincidental. The Jeep Talk Show is not responsible for lost or stolen items, and some assembly is required. For a full list of restrictions and contest rules, see store for details. Batteries not included. The Jeep Talk Show is for external use only. Contents under pressure. Side effects may include vertigo, uncontrollable laughter, or greasy discharge and false kung fu powers. The Jeep Talk Show and its contents are known to cause cancer in the state of California. It is probably not a federal law to use this product in a manner inconsistent with its labeling. The Jeep Talk Show may be a choking hazard. Keep out of reach of small children. All safety precautions must be observed when using the Jeep Talk Show. If you feel you've reached this recording in error, please hang up and try your call again. I had a t-shirt like that. It said, uh, caution, maybe a choking hazard. Oh, jeez.